It's your Gator Volleyball Podcast. From the CJC on the campus of the University of Florida, it's the next generation of Gator Sports media personalities, bringing you the latest in Gator Sports, courtesy of the Orange and Blue Sports Network. It's your Gator Volleyball Podcast. Welcome back to the Orange and Blue Sports Network. I'm your host, Jesse Simmons, alongside my co-beat reporter, Nick Abreu, for the Gator Volleyball Podcast. We're your beat reporters for ESPN Gainesville. We have a lot to get into today, a lot of exciting news for you, and a lot of exciting updates, and some previews we're going to get into today. So, happy to be on, Nick Abreu. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too, Jesse. It's been, it's been a little bit since we've done the podcast. I'm excited to be back. That's right. That's right. A little Christmas before Christmas, but we got, you know, post-Thanksgiving break before Christmas. This NCAA tournament is heating up for the Gators. They're getting a chance to host as a top 16 team in the entire 64-team tournament. In the NCAA tournament, they are able to host the first and second rounds of the tournament in Gainesville. So we'll dig into that a little bit, along with Kennedy Martin setting a record and earning a couple honors when the SEC and all freshman team. So we'll get into that, and we'll also preview of FGCU, and then also touch a little bit on the possibility of who the, te- the Florida Gators could play once they hopefully, you know, once they hopefully escape FGCU, a talented FGCU team. But if they can escape, who they may play Georgia Tech, South Alabama, and if they can get out of that, you know, first level of the tournament, who they will play moving forward, and who they can come out of the left side of the bracket. So with that, you know, we'll go ahead and turn over to Nick Abreu to kind of preview FGCU, and I'll touch on it a little bit as well. Yeah, so as Jesse said, the Gators are selected as the fourth seed in the in the left side of the bracket and will actually play in the top left along teams like number one, Nebraska. They've been great all year, as well as number eight, Missouri, who the Gators were able to beat earlier in the season, and number five, Georgia Tech, who we might, be able, we might have to play in the second round. So before all that, we can't get too ahead of ourselves. We have to play against... FGCU at home in our first match of the tournament. Uh, FGCU was actually really good this season. They went 26-6 and overall, and they were actually the A-Sun Conference champions this season, earning an automatic bid to the tournament, being able to face us in the first round. However, one thing to note about FGCU is they've only played one SEC opponent this season, where they won in five sets against Ole Miss. So not, not a great SEC opponent, but obviously it is kind of that same level competition that you will be seeing against Florida, although Florida might be a little bit better. It is in the same league, so it's some of that experience. I agree, and I'll also note that, too. The only other ranked team that FGCU played was number 7 Texas, and they got swept. So the really the only real competition that they faced, that not, not denoting that the A-Sun isn't talented, and the A-Sun does have some talented teams, but the real talent, if we're going to sit here and compare it to Florida moving into the NCAA tournament, the only couple teams that they've played that are ranked, they didn't go very well, and, you know, they, they couldn't handle the competition. So, yes, they had a great record. Sometimes, you know, I think the A-Sun and the SEC are obviously two different beasts. The SEC is boasting eight teams in the entire NCAA tournament, so that's who they're able to, to face. But I will say, you know, with they have some good competition. It's not going to be an easy road for UF, but they definitely have a chance. With that, too, we'll talk on I'll, – I'll touch on the uh, the winning the most winning coaches in D1 volleyball right now. FGCU's Matt Bosford is in his 10th season and, act, and actively ranks 10th among coaches coaches in the entire Division One volleyball scene with a 766 win percentage with and he is right now 238 and 72 against Mary Wise you know that powerhouse in her 33rd season currently ranking third and with an 837 win percentage she is 1044 and 204 and she is just ridiculous they will both meet 
in Gainesville on Thursday at 7 p.m. This is the second time in the NCAA tournament that the Gators have met the Eagles since 2018, and this is the third overall meeting between the two, with UF leading the series three to three to nothing all time. Florida is also a top 16 seed in the tournament at number four, like you said earlier. And when they are a top 16 team or better in the tournament, they are a whopping 74 and 29 in that seed throughout the tournament. So this is a great matchup for Florida. It's a great road to get on, and the, the position they're in is very well. Despite all the injuries and things they've been through this year, they're in a really good spot. Yeah, one thing I will say about FGCU, though, is that their defense, at least in the A-Sun, has been pretty spectacular. Um, some stats for that. Uh, the, the FGCU actually led the A-Sun in, hit, in opponent hitting percentage, opponent assists, and blocks, and were second in opponent kills. So they're really good at really suffocating the offense of the other team. And although it wasn't the same competition, we're really going to have to focus on that in order to in order to capitalize and get out of this uh, without any scratches. I agree, and I'll note that um, the, their defensive specialist, uh, Reese Burry, is a freshman. She is a freshman. She has a 957 reception percentage, which I think is fantastic for a freshman, yeah, that's great. let alone in that position, you know. And her, her talent and her ability and everything she's faced this year is really going to be tested with Kennedy Martin on the side of that net. So we'll see, but she has a, she played really well this year with that 957 clip. And Juliana Lentz, their middle blocker, averages is the only team, only player on the team that averages over a one uh, blocks per set. She averages 1.26 blocks per sets, um, and she's that's that's very good. Like you were saying, receiving errors, they only have they only have one and a half compared to Florida's one at 1.6 blocks per set. They are a little bit behind Florida with 2.4, with Florida having 2.7. But, I mean, like you said, you can't deny how good they play. No matter who you're playing, it's still Division One college volleyball. So, when but, you know, when you have the freshmen stepping up, I think that it looks really good for the Eagles. Um, I will kind of re- like, we'll round back and touch on the offense. Um, you know, how they match up, uh, FGCU's offense on the other, other side, they have a kill percentage of 233, and their opponent's hitting percentage, like you were saying, is a 176 clip. So, that they were holding their opponents really well. And Florida is kind of similar. They flip flop sides here with a kill percentage of 263. Just edging the Eagles a little bit, but their opponent's hitting percentage was a 215, which is a little bit better than you know than the Eagles. And so their service aces for FGCU, they had 208 this year, with Florida having 166. So from the defensive side and the Florida perspective, Florida's gonna have to be able to defend and receive very well from this from the hitting line and the serving line on both sides of the net. I think also uh, two more key players that I'll mention. Alexandra Satukny, she has 332 kills. That's FGCU's leading hitter, but she only has a 202 hitting percentage, along with the next uh, best, Shelby Kent, another outside hitter that has 324, and she has an even lower clip of 186 hitting percentage. So they're both good. They have a lot of kills racked up, but their hitting percentage isn't that great. Um, so we will see you know, how Nady Okamore and and other people and other players on the Florida Gators are able to defend that and kind of and you know see if we can come up with some key blocks. I think will be a factor in this game. Yeah, and I think that's been one of the Gators' strong suits all season. That that middle block with Nettie Okamore, Gabby Essex is pretty powerful. So absolutely. So I think we should be able to get a win in this one. Absolutely. And you know, and also touching on the defensive side, Kendi Muff is being is fantastic in her last hoorah, you know, victory lap here. She's she stood in very well for Alexis Stuckey when she went down and has really put this team in position to make a dangerous run in this. NCAA tournament. Um, also, with that, speaking of dangerous people and dangerous players for the Florida Gators, Kennedy Martin did earn all SEC and all freshman honors. The six foot six phenom set the new freshman record for kills in a season for Gators volleyball with 407, 
57 kills and counting, surpassing the likes of Ziva Rekic's 440 record from the 2012 season. This player is fantastic. It's hard to, you know, deny what she does off and on and off the court, and she's just a player that, you know, she stands out head and shoulders tall above everybody else. She's like that Aaron Judge type player, you know, if you're going to compare it to another sport. Um, she's that Aaron Judge on the court that, you know, it's hard. You see the court's like, whoa, who's that? Like, she is an animal, and she really does have a court presence, wouldn't you say so? I mean, yeah, she, she's a superstar. She's almost as tall as Aaron Judge. So that's, <laughs> that's one thing. But she's also one of the best players in the SEC already as a freshman. As we said before, being named to all SEC and all all freshman teams this season, and she actually led the SEC completely in kills per se. It wasn't even yeah. just for freshmen. Yeah, uh, four point three five kills per se on the whole season, and she actually had double digit kills in every single game this season. Even even three set games, she was able to get to that double digit, and it and I think. Obviously, she's been the most important player for the Gators this season, and she probably will be for, for years to come and hopefully for the rest of this tournament. Yeah, and in, in 27 games, she racked up 10 or more kills in every That's single insane. game. She is just, it. like, I can't, like, put it into words. You just have to see it for yourself. Yeah. You have to go to a game. You have to watch a game. You have to just see with your own eyes to believe it because sometimes it's too good to be true. And sometimes the, the you know, the ability she shows is sometimes too good to be true. Wouldn't that be true? Yeah, she, she can like she can do it from she everywhere. Just does it I everywhere. think I think that's kind of what makes her so dangerous. Is that obviously she's an outside hitter. She's really good at that. She's tall. She she has really powerful strike. But not only that, I think the back row hits are um are really what keep teams on their edge because she can move to that back row and she's she's a good um defender as she, well. She's a good defender, but she's yeah. also a good server. Like she I agree. She serves, she can hit from that back row, little switch up sometimes. Yeah. So I think the fact that you can she can hit from everywhere also keeps teams on Every the facet edge. of her game seems to be primed up. Um in the past few games that I've been watching finishing off the season, she is actually I think taking advantage more of, you know, we're we're so used to watching her go up and just absolutely pounding a kill as hard as she can, hitting those record speeds of the ball past the net. But I've seen her hit a couple change-ups and a couple switch-ups, you know, a little tip-over. That have fallen, and, you know, it gets teams off their balance, and it, you think they're gonna, she's going to attack you full-on, and then she hits you with a change-up and falls right in front of you, and you're left like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? So I think she has been able to feed into that more, you know, which is going to prime her ready for those good blocking and good receiving teams deeper in the tournament that I think if she can have both a hard hit and have that so that good touch on it, I think it's going to have her in a really good spot to be one of the most dangerous players in the entire tournament, not just for the Florida Gators. Yeah, for sure. And so moving on with that, we will kind of look at a case scenario if Florida does beat for, um, at GCU, who they will face next, and those two teams could be Georgia Tech or South Alabama. And Georgia Tech boasts a 22-6 and record, 13 and 5 in the ACC. And I will just list a couple of the wins they have here. They have some quality wins over number 8 Penn State, two quality back-to-back -back wins over number 12 Ohio State, and they've also beat the ACC champion FSU and a contender Louisville. That either of these teams could run and win the entire tournament if they want to. Um, I think it's it, they're a very tough team. They're a good team with a good resume. And I personally, if we're going to look at it, I'll touch on South Alabama. I don't know if this is the team that the Florida Gators, if you get to pick and choose, the team you want to face. Yeah. Um, South Alabama on the flip side, who they will be playing uh, each other on Thursday at 4.30. 
South Alabama is 22 and 8 on the season and 12 and 4 in the Sun Belt Conference. Compared to uh, Georgia Tech, South Alabama, uh, South Alabama did play Georgia Tech already and they lost and also lost to number 24 Auburn, their only other ranked opponent. So 22 and 8, you know, it's a great record. But when these two teams have already played head to head and Georgia Tech handled South Alabama, we're kind of hoping for a little bit of an upset. If, you know, if you want to have an easier route for the Florida Gators as a Florida Gator fan, you want us to play South Alabama. But if you're the Florida Gators, you'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere. doesn't matter who. doesn't matter when. Just let it rock. Um, but I think the best-case scenario would be that. And, you know, coming out of that left side of the bracket, the possibility for the Gators of facing the number one team in Nebraska is not the most, you know, comfortable situation, but they will be facing a powerhouse, and they also have the, the odds to face another, again, ACC champion Florida State, who they played in the year, took the five sets, and beat them, uh, but they also have some SEC rivals who the Florida Gators did struggle with this year, um, and number three, Arkansas, and number two, Kentucky, so they have a couple get, a couple teams that you know they could potentially face, but I think, how important do you think it is to just worry about here and now? Um, I think it is important. Obviously, we said that FGCU is not a team that you can kind of mess around with, although they haven't played the competition that we've dealt with. So I think it is important to make sure that we win this game. But it is it is also important to be able to plan a little bit ahead. I think we could get the win against um, Georgia Tech as well if they end up um, winning. But then from there, it's going to be really tough for us to for us to continue if if teams like Wisconsin or Kentucky, who has seemed to have our number this season, um, keep on advancing. But I think, to be honest, I think the Gators are one of the dark horses of this team. They've had all these injuries, and they've lost some crucial games. Couldn't agree more. But they've continually gotten better because they're so young. And through these injuries, they've had to kind of mold together yeah. that they could still be developing, whereas other teams might not really be. They've kind of found their identity. So the fact that the Gators can still improve is an advantage for them, I think, in this in this tournament. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, when Stucky went down, Coach Mary Wise said it's going to take time. Um, it, they're going to be set back a couple weeks, if not months, behind other teams in the country. And, and it's definitely true. It's hard to, you know, fight that fact. And with other players, you know, going down for the rest of the season, it's hard to, you know, get right back to where you want to be now. And so I think the Gators are, even though they did finish off the season losing to Kentucky, um, I think that they are still getting hot in a good way. And so they're getting, you know, a closer knit team not just a hot team you want you want a team that's hot now but you want a team that's going to be you know primed to go the length of the tournament in that marathon of a thing one game at a time one step at a time and i think the gators are in a really really good spot so i couldn't agree with you more yeah, i agree well, that was the Gator Volleyball Podcast here in the Orange and Blue Sports Network. I'm your host, Jesse Simmons, along with my Kobe reporter, Nick Abreu for ESPN Gainesville. Don't forget to check us out on OBSN Gators on Twitter and Instagram, and check us out on our new YouTube channel to catch up on everything you may have missed from all your Gator sports. Thank you again, and we'll see you very soon.